Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about both The Last Duel and Lamb and I am joined by someone who probably has much more complicated feelings about Adam Driver than she did 24 hours ago. It's Lisa Coach Bhakti. Lisa, how's it going? What a setup, Josh. Thanks for having me. I think you have me today because we're keeping the L theme, the L theme going on, right? Lamb, last duel. No, you're the Adam Driver correspondent, though, uh, uh, at least now, temporarily. I mean, who knows? I, I might already have a guest for House of Gucci that had already put in a request, but you're, you, for now, are the Adam Driver correspondent, and there's certainly a lot to talk about with Adam Driver with respect to, uh, with respect to this movie. Uh, the Last Duel is the, we're going to start with The Last Duel. It's the newest film from director Ridley Scott, but probably even more notably, it is co-written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in the first movie they've written together since Goodwill Hunting when they won the their Oscar when they first burst onto the scene. Uh, well, they'd both been around on the scene a little bit before then, but that that was like a big coming out party for them of sorts as filmmakers in their own right. Uh, they co-wrote it with Nicole Holofcener, who is a you know well-respected uh, indie filmmaker. And, uh, you know, I think part of the reason I think a, a lot of people were very uh, worried about this movie was because you know uh in a reductive way it's been described as like you know the medieval me too movie and why are we going to entrust that to matt damon and ben affleck who didn't trust themselves to write woman characters enough so they had to bring in a female writer uh so that that that, that's one of the interesting things about the setup of this movie uh we'll talk about though how much we're enjoying it but the movie itself is based on a true story about the last state sanctioned duel in france which took place in the 14th century uh when it was uh it's it's like again based on a true story that was kind of turned into a book called the last duel a true story of trial by combat in medieval france by eric jaeger excuse me and yeah that was king charles the sixth that was ruling at the time and sanctioned this played in a, a fairly funny performance by uh alex lothar who some of you might know from uh a black mirror episode but also uh, more notably end of the effing world on netflix uh but yeah the it's set it's set across uh several years and told from the perspective of a few different characters uh matt damon plays a knight named sir jean de carouge who uh, is a very decorated, you know, uh, a, a very decorated soldier and knight. He has a squire uh, named Jacques Legree, played by Adam Driver, who's a really good friend of his in the earlier timeline of this movie. And again, we, we see things from uh, Dick Carew's uh, perspective in the first place. And in, in, in this story, he, they have some successes in battle and they come back and they have to uh, they have to pledge their fealty to a man named Count Pierre de Elisson, played by Ben Affleck in just a balls to the wall, really fun performance uh, from our guy Ben. Pierre, though, takes a liking to Legree, but not Dick Carouge. Uh, Legree kind of comes into his uh, circle of trust and it becomes a, an advisor that helps him sort out his finances and gains a lot of respect. But as part of that job of, you know, overseeing the the region that Pierre is responsible for, he has to go, you know, tax all the landowners in the area. And that includes Dick Carouge, who, um, you know, is uh, a trust. I promised some leniency by Legree when he's doing his collections in the first place, but you know, eventually uh, he's pressed to get some more money. So, uh, you know, he's forced into the really uh, tragic life decision of having to marry someone that looks like Jodie Comer. Struggles, yeah. Who who has who has a wealthy father who, um, as, as they do in those times, would give him a big dowry with a lot of land that comes with that to help him stabilize his financial situation. He comes to learn that one of the more desirable pieces of land that was supposed to be in that dowry was, was instead given by uh, seized basically by Pierre and given to Legree, who also was given a quote unquote captaincy of a you know a fort that was run by Decarouge's father. So Matt Damon's Decarouge, who we should say Matt Damon 
really, really like just I don't know if you saw Stillwater, Lissa. He played like, you know, the, the, the MAGA guy there with the weird haircut. And here yeah. he's like he, he's looking even frumpier and really, uh, to his credit, is willing to like go out there and uh, not have a lot of vanity and not look like a movie star. Kind of like <laughs> I'd say uh, Ben Affleck and Adam Driver, you know, for what you want to say about the quality of the people they're playing. Uh, I'd say they get to look more handsome in this movie or uh, look better. So he he's a guy that is very aggrieved this character and is uh, really going through going through it and feels like this new this Ben Affleck character is just like really shitting on him and his old friend is you know swearing more allegiance to this Ben Affleck character and you know he's continuing to serve his country and fight war and uh, when he goes to try and collect some of his payments from a treasury in Paris. Uh, to uh, for, for all the good things he's done, he comes back and finds that out that his wife says she has been raped by Adam Driver's character, uh, Jacques Legree. And in response to that, he, uh, you know, actually reacts somewhat reasonably, which is surprising. And we see a little more, uh, there's a little more nuance put on that uh, scene later in the movie. But uh, then he challenges Legree to a duel, which uh, at first the, the king thinks isn't even allowed anymore. It turns out it still is. This is going to be the last one and that we all see from his perspective. But then, you know, I, I wanted to kind of set it up that way. And that's the first one the movie shows. But then we see things from Legree's perspective and uh, we see things from uh, Jodie Comer, whose, whose character's name is Marguerite Decarouge. Uh, we see things from her perspective last. Lisa, as I mentioned at the beginning, like a lot of people were just hella skeptical about this movie. And I'm going to say right from the, from the outset, I think I liked it a lot better than you. I saw your letterbox review. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be curious to hear what you have to say. So, uh, but I was very skeptical coming in. I think that was the, yeah. that was the, this is, but that's kind of been the overwhelming response from critics. Like, man, I prepared for this to be kind of bad. So I was like pleasantly surprised by it. Did, right. did you share a lot of those sentiments coming in? Were you a little worried about it? And did the movie not upend your expectations in the way you would have hoped? Yes. Great question, Josh. And I have so many things to add about this, but ironically mm -hmm. enough, we were debating one night to either see Lamb or The Last Duel. And so my roommate had looked up uh, both titles mm -hmm. and had seen the not so hot press around The Last Duel. And so she was like, oh, that night, this night we should see Lamb. Mm -hmm. So we had seen Lamb, but I had gone into The Last Duel not even knowing what it's about. Like as an English major, I wasn't familiar with the story. And so, so, you, so, you, so you, all I knew going in was that like, Hey, one guy challenges another guy to a duel because he says he raped his wife. I knew nothing else. Did you know? Did you know at least that much? I didn't even know that much. Oh, I wow. think I, I kind of wish I would have known that much, but I went in completely like blank slate watching the mm. film. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So I guess you, that, that that's interesting going in with that without any preconceived notions because that seems like you know uh, very unusual compared to how a lot because not a lot of people saw this movie. That's another thing. I mean, right. I was excited to talk about it. Didn't do so hot at the box office. Hundred million dollar budget hasn't even made ten million dollars yet as of and we're recording this. You know, the Tuesday after the the first Thursday showings it would have had. So not a great start, yeah. and not a lot of people saw it. But regardless, um, what what about it rubbed you the wrong way is what I'll say because I know that like you did not have a great reaction to this movie right and it's pretty it's interesting you said just to clarify Affleck and Damon hired a woman writer for Jodie Comer's character well it is my understanding actually that at first I, that was how I heard it at first I didn't know that it was going to be told this way with the you know yeah. the Rashomon style with something different from everyone's perspective and I want to talk a little bit about that but yes. I had understood it as like oh they brought her in to write the female dialogue but then I heard somewhere else yeah. that like, Damon wrote the part for his character Affleck wrote the part for Driver's character and then uh, Nicole Hall Center wrote the part that was from the point of view of Marguerite Yes. Okay. Interesting. Good to know. Cause I didn't know that part. So I think the initial reaction when the credits rolled up um, was that this felt very 
for lack of better term, girl boss to me in the not so fun way. And I kind of got this vibe. I know. So you just don't like movies about women's empowerment. You hated promising young women. You hate. I was going to say, believe women. I believe women. But like (laughs) this film had such like big budget girl boss energy that I got from promising young women. So I'm like, I'm like, am I a bad woman? Like, why do I not like these films? But I think just it's tough for me. Ultimately, like the biggest thing is like you. Uh, spoiler, but you didn't. Uh, but you didn't really need to show the rape scene twice. Obviously, in my opinion, um, and I think if you know on the letterbox reviews and, and other reviews that a lot of the positive reviews, not, not saying it's correlated, are from men, and I think women have a kind of like lesser uh, numerical uh, attachment to this. If that makes sense. I actually. So I came in, like I said, knowing what I knew, and I was kind of worried because I thought it was literally going to be the whole movie was going to be like a he said, she said movie, which right. I wasn't I wasn't here for. I didn't really I didn't really want to have it be about possibly was this guy wrongly accused of rape or and I, I in my head, I thought maybe it was going to be that kind of movie. So I yeah. spent the whole movie like being really worried, especially once we got to I mean, I guess we only see that scene twice. But once we were seeing it from driver's perspective, I was worried that like his version of it was going to be like totally like not a rape was what I was worried about. And I thought that it was going right. to be his version was like, it was totally consensual and hers was that it was a rape. And I thought that was going to be, and we weren't going to actually know what happened. And right. I think that I think there's some subtle differences in how those scenes are shot in the way Definitely. that they're acted in a way that's, I think kind of interesting, but like what I gave her credit for, like, and I mean, I guess it kind of goes to Ridley Scott for however, if you think he shot it, I mean, in a way that wasn't completely exploitative. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm the best person to make that judgment, but I right. was like, so pleased. And I, this is, I think more of the credit probably goes to Affleck and Damon and Nicole Hall center that they mm-hmm. said like, no, this guy's going to rape her, but he's going to basically think that's okay because of the times. And, you know, I think part of, I think a large part of this movie and why it's so sad is that like, it didn't necessarily feel as girl bossy to me because things are so out of her hands. She has so little agency, whereas like in a movie like Promising Young Woman, like, I mean, that's all about someone like, you know, taking matters into their own hands here. She literally has no choice to the point that I mean, the one thing that almost took me out of the movie and I don't fault them too much for it, because I guess this is probably how it was in the times. But they literally the way they and maybe it's also the lawyer in me a little bit. But I was like, wow. So the legal system there is whoever wins the duel that that equals truth, which is seems like. That's literally what they say in this movie. I mean, they say some other ridiculous stuff that we can touch on uh, about exactly. like how you can't get pregnant if you're raped and stuff like that. That's like, they probably really did think like that then. The like, my, part. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, th- yeah. That too. Uh, but like, I, I guess I was like, oh, so they are going to acknowledge the fact that like this guy is that bad. And I think you can say as a, not as even as a criticism, but maybe you don't have to give it as much credit as some people in saying, well, if the point of this movie is to say men are all bad now, they were all bad then. Then like, yeah, yeah but like, I was worried it wasn't going to even come down on that side. I was worried it was just going to like play a little more down the middle. So I respected the fact that like, oh no, they're not going to like try and like make you think that the Adam driver character is actually okay. He's really bad, but in his mind, what he did wasn't as aggressive as it actually was. And he thinks it's okay. And then you actually see, cause when they go to the Jody, Jody Coder, when they have the title card for the Jody Comer character thing, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's the duel according to, or I don't, it's the, whatever, according to her or the truth, according to Jacques de Carouge or, or it's a, it's like the truth, according to Jean de Carouge, the truth, according to Jacques de Lagree or Jacques Lagree and the truth, according to Marguerite de Carouge, but then the Marguerite de Carouge part just drops off and it just says the truth. So we're led right. to believe it is actually, she's the one telling the truth. And I, and, and like she, the way she tells it though, uh, one, uh, Legree is just like way more aggressive and, uh, than he even wants it to be. But two, um, Jean de Carouge is like kind of sucks too. 
And I was going to say, because that ending too, it kind of like leads you to be like, oh, she's stuck with him, even though like this went kind of well in the end, you know? Well, yeah. And then you feel bad for her because it says she never remarried. It's like, come on, you could have like, you know, you don't, you don't need to mourn this guy your whole life. But like, right. I mean, I, I'm kind of like watching that duel at the end, like cheering for both these guys to die. Uh, you don't need to mourn riffraff for the rest of your life. Right. So I guess overall, though, my response to you is that like, it didn't necessarily like strike yeah. me as like, uh, as girl Boston anyway, cause it was kind of tragic just how out of her hands everything was and how controlled she was. And I was like, okay, well I give this movie some credit. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit. Uh, but for the fact that like, it's clear that like none of these dudes are cool, you know? Exactly. And to the fact that they had the mom character kind of have that side discussion with her. And I think it emotionally tug on my heartstrings the night before when Marguerite was talking to her baby and talking to, uh, my Damien's character. And was like, if I would have known this was the case, I wouldn't have said anything, you know? So I think that was really emotional too. So that part took me out of the kind of girl boss vibe that I got, but I think I need to still marinate on it too, but you make good points. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, uh, for, for whatever reason, I, if, if, if you want to say one part of it is like that, it's like very plainly in the, in the section about her, which again, is the, is the truth. It's like everything she does is really good. It's just like saying, you know, uh, Especially when uh, Dick Harouge like goes away for a while on one of his um, on on one of his uh, tours or military tours or whatever. Yeah. Um. She's like she she just like totally whips the estate up in the shape ship shape ship shape. You know, like very yeah. very quickly. It's like okay, look, this woman is awesome. Oh, she just doesn't need a man weighing her down, and then she can turn around this whole entire enterprise, which is like that's uh, very convenient when you know we don't even really need to see that to like know that like look, she deserves better than what she has. Exactly. Um, what do you what do you overall though think of like the storytelling choices i mean i've actually yeah. never seen the kurosawa movie rashomon uh it's gonna from, say from, from my, my understanding is that like it's actually not as subtle as this with the differences what did you mm-hmm. think of this as a storytelling technique and how they executed it because i mean it sounds like your issues with the movie aren't necessarily even with that it's more of like some of what's going on underneath that uh with the larger story as a whole what did you think of them using this as like a mechanism by which to tell this story because I, I mean, I feel like I've maybe seen a couple of movies that do something like that before, but nothing that yeah. like commits to it for the entire length of the movie. I know I was trying to pinpoint it too. And I, when I was reading reviews too, I did see that uh, there was that Kurosawa inspiration um, as from, from Rashomon and also the Virgin Spring, but I'm not too familiar. I haven't seen the Virgin Spring. Either. Me neither. Um, but personally, I loved the device of, you know, telling the story in three parts um, you know, I'm so hard brain right now where I want every film to be like 70, 80 minutes. So it was really hard for me to get through a two and a half hour film. But, um, personally, I did love the three kind of act structure where they had, um, the guys go first and then finally Jody's character. Um, I kind of, as an English major, it just felt like it made it more holistic because that was my, like, that's how my brain works as well too. So I haven't really seen that in the film. So for me personally, love the structure of the film and I'd be lying if I says if I didn't say I was surprised with how engaged I was in the film because of the structure and like obviously it was a big budget like Hollywood film but and it was big names but it didn't quite feel that way to me in in a positive way if that if if you felt the same way oh yeah it is a little weird to like see you know uh like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck dressing up in this way, you know, like because right. they're, they're that recognizable. I mean, a little easier. Jodie Comer, I've only ever seen her in like season one of Killing Eve and Free Guy. She was delightful in Free Guy. Uh, yeah. Very different, very different kind of movie. So maybe not as much for her. 
um, or, 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 but like for but both them and Adam driver, like I've never really seen them do that much period stuff. Adam driver, you know, had like a small role in LinkedIn and that's about it. Uh, so yeah. had never, and I mean, I'd say even almost more so kind of funny for Affleck though. I, like, I really got a kick out of his performance. So like that doesn't necessarily take me out of it. And one thing I did like about the telling the story in that manner was that like, you got to learn something about these characters without it, like feeling too expository. Like it's, it's kind of like yeah. telling the, showing the same setup over and over again, but it's it, in a way it is showing and not telling because you know it's like this is how these people see themselves and like exactly. I, I like some of the very small differences that they had there in that like you know in that opening battle uh in in De Carouge's version of it he's like you know leading a charge that like is really important and is very heroic in it and De Carouge's version of it it's like he's kind of being stupid and like taking a risk he doesn't need to take then they have the scene where that's like the first time they come together uh, after after they've already given the captaincy to Descaries, and yeah. show, he he shows up there, and it's the first time Descaries is saying seeing Marguerite, and they show up and they greet each other. Descaries and Descaries greet each other for the first time in a while, and in each of their different versions, uh, they're the ones that say, "Oh, let bygones be bygones. I can be the better man." Yeah, kind of, and, and then and then in her version, like they're just totally cold to each other. So it's like these guys are seeing themselves as like very mature and uh, and, and more noble, especially with the way Dick Haru sees himself and how calm I should I should have known something was up with that movie when I first saw like how reasonably he reacted to her saying she got raped. Because like, of course, they're going to blame the woman in that time, uh, even if it's the husband that's the one that's uh, having her ha- ha- that she's pouring her heart out to. You know, I felt the same way. I was like, wow, he's really calm. He's getting <laughs> this really well for that day and age. And I was like, oh, I didn't know we were going to go to Jody's view. Yeah, so like I, I, I really liked it. Like I agree with you. The movie's very long, but yeah. like I, there wasn't, and like I'm sure you could they could have cut some stuff here and there. Um, right. And also, I, Ridley Scott can direct a battle scene like in his sleep. So like that, obviously, last duel scene mm-hmm. was was phenomenal. Like I was at the edge of my seat. Like I, I found myself literally creeping up, and I was like, oh, right, go back down. <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe there, maybe you could do away with like one of the three scenes where Ben Affleck ends it by telling Adam Driver to take his pants off and join an orgy, because that happens more right. than one time in this movie. Uh, we kind of already get the vibe of what the Ben Affleck character is in this movie. Yeah. Um, maybe the actual courtroom scenes are uh, are, don't, aren't super important because we're seeing, we're already, it's just kind of referencing other stuff that's already shown. But for the most part, I was like, oh man, I would have liked to have seen something else. I would have liked to have seen more of this or more of that because, uh, in, in her, in, in Marguerite's version of the story, we don't even see if she had a conversation with Dick Curry at that event and his version of it, they have this really charming encounter where they're flirting with each other and, uh, having really, I mean, fairly good chemistry to the point where you could understand why he would become, uh, somewhat infatuated with her beyond the fact that again, uh, she looks like Jodie Comer, uh, but they, there's that. And it's like, I'm wondering if like, they actually did talk at this thing and she was like, like really put off by him. And he just wasn't, he wasn't even getting, and he was on a totally different wavelength. They're getting a different vibe. We don't see any kind of conversation between, between them beyond, uh, you know, uh, Dick Haru telling her to give him a kiss and that's it. Um, and then, and then, and then he just like shows up at her house. So, I mean, there are, there are like moments like that where it's like, Oh, I want more. I want more, but I get it. We can't have like every single thing from every single person's point of view, or you're going to get a three, or you're going to get a three hour movie. I know. Have you been seeing the jokes where they're like, stay tuned for the seven and a half hour, like final cut, like, uh, Affleck's like, you know, experience needs to be told. Like they're making fun of like a Snyder cut, you know? Oh, um, they're saying it's going to come out for the last tool. <laughs> oh no, I, I had not seen anything like that, but I mean, 
I, again, like it, though I, I did, I mean, it was long, but like I was still pretty into it and it's, I mean, look, it's pretty damn impressive. Ridley Scott was, you know, 82 years old during a lot of the making of this. So, you know, Josh Brown and I were sitting on here talking about our guy, Clint Eastwood and crime macho yeah. a few weeks ago. And Clint was 90 years old and made that movie and starred in it, which I mean, so maybe that, even though like it's not as intense or involved of a production as the last duel. Maybe that's just as impressive since he was acting in it, but like for Ridley Scott to be able to make things like this at that are this well done technically, if you got to admit that if nothing else, even if you didn't like the movie um, yeah. it's good from that perspective, very impressive. He was like able to do this. And um, I don't know if I need the uh, uh, you said, you said, you said people refer to as like an Affleck cut or yeah, like that, that's like Affleck's cut is a Snyder's cut. Like if like if you like saying like he was like a shadow director or something of it, like there's more of Affleck that we haven't seen. Oh 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 more oh okay you mean like more of him like they cut out yeah. a lot of his. I mean I think he probably was just written as a supporting character, but I mean with with as much materials they had to work with, I wouldn't maybe there was like a scene. Maybe, I'm sure there, there might have been a few more scenes of like <clears throat> giving a little more background to his character because he's he's kind of the comic relief. Uh, no, there's so, definitely a few orgy scenes that were cut. I know they had to be brave and cut them out, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think we'll, no. we'll look out for it though. No, but yeah, I thought I thought he was truly delightful. Um, so I kind of I, I kind of I, I get those parts where like the movie rubbed you the wrong way. But what about some of these parts where like you know, um, getting at the fact that like that maybe her version of the movie for it sounds like was maybe the one written by Nicole Hall of Center. But again, you're yeah. still in, you're still entrusting this movie to a couple male writers and a male director. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I know you said you didn't necessarily need both rape scenes, but how do you think it necessarily handled uh, the rest of the, the, the rest of her story, specifically with respect to the fact the way that like the system was treating her? Did you it sounded like you still felt something for her character, even if at other times that character rubbed you the wrong way? Definitely. Like Jody's entire scene was compelling. You know, I know people keep saying it's Oscars bait and I wouldn't put it towards a negative connotation. I truly think Jody should be nominated for us for the Oscars. Um, I you thought, mean the one. You mean the one where she like uh, tells off Matt Damon. Um, I'm trying to think which part. I'm. I mean, she has a lot. I mean, she has. She's on screen a lot. Okay, you said her the scene. Court, I know. The court. The courtroom scene for sure. Oh, in my oh, okay, opinion. Okay. Okay. Um, I think she handled that really well, and mm-hmm. it was kind of uh, camera wise. It was a really interesting like 360 because you kept seeing different angles of her with you know the jury behind her and then from the from the front angle with the king and the queen and so it was just kind of like you really felt like all eyes were on her and so that scene for sure I think she should be nominated but um besides the two those two rape scenes um I don't really have too much uh negative you know remarks about the film I that personally the sound design was not ins- I know I feel bad but you know that that's one of the most you know that's one of the most visual things that stuck with me, but I really liked her scene. I think personally, um, her visuals towards the end during the actual duel, I think they, I think they caught her at the exact right times. It wasn't too overbearing where they kept looking back at her, but it was enough to make you feel like you were in Jody's position as a woman. And, um, I thought the kind of like side banter with her friend who also didn't believe her was a good addition to, Oh God, that was, that was really rough. Yeah, that was, that was tough, but it rang true, but it was rough. Yeah. And also too, like we're so far from the medieval ages. So like, you don't really think about that, but the fact that she, like her story is not rare uh, is also, it made you think about that at the end of the film as well, which I think she did a really good job of portraying. Yeah. I was like acutely aware of the fact that like, just how unfortunate it was like uh, stuff was stacked, stuff was stacked against her in that, in that way. Like, I mean, you know, it was uh, I I had written down that like, she was clearly like uh, more upset by the assault in her version. So she already has to like, 
but she already has to live with that. And we know it to be like an even more aggressive thing than uh, was seen in the uh, middle portion of the, the Legree portion of the movie. But it's like, I mean, I, I guess I didn't even really get that detailed, but like, I mean, I think one of the most horrifying things might've been when, uh, when uh, De Carouge like made her have sex with him, so in a way he could like remark his territory after that. Like he can't be the last yeah. one. He said something to the effect of he can't have been the last one in you or something like that. And it was like, I mean, it was like so. It was that combined with the way the fact that like everyone it seemed to be turning against her. Uh, mm-hmm. She's losing her friends, and yeah, like we get it. Like you should believe women, and yeah, maybe it's it's not the easiest storytelling choice. But like when you combine her performance with those storytelling choices, uh, I mean. Yeah, it's it's pretty devastating portrait of like what it's like to what what it's like. I mean, being a woman is not really um, has all of its challenges in the 21st century. So it's like you can only imagine like what they would have had to have dealt with in the um, I mean, multiple times in this movie, like someone just someone calls rape a property crime. I mean, and the fact that Matt Damon's character was like, can this man do nothing but evil to me? And she's like, to you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, it's I don't know. I I, I just I, I I I guess I just kind of respected the 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 way it was told and how it's just such a horrific thing that happens at the center. And I think it's just very telling as to like um just like again, I don't know how bad men are, but you're getting to see that in like again, not the most novel message, but I appreciate that you were getting to see it in a. In a, in a different kind of story we don't I haven't had a, maybe a lot of stories that are specifically about that i mean there's yeah. probably movies about this point in time where it's made clear that the women aren't treated well but that's more just there as a feature of the time and uh as opposed to like being the centerpiece of a story so you have that you have these very recognizable movie stars uh in playing dress up in a way we never have in a way that wasn't ultimately too distracting for me which is which i appreciated and um even though they're supposed to be French and they had like British accents. Yeah. I, I, I kept forgetting it. We were in France because of that. Like, I, I, mean, know. I mean, that that's, I guess that's whatever, but I, I mean, the fact that like it, that, I mean, if that was too goofy for you, then like, I don't blame you, but it wasn't like, it wasn't something that like took me out of the movie in the way it probably could have watching these guys from Boston, like play French dudes with British accents. No, um, the only thing that took me out is Matt Damon's character looking like uh, every guy in a Florida 7-Eleven. So I couldn't really get over that. And I can make fun God. of that because I'm from Florida. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't live here anymore. So you don't have to like right. potentially uh, <laughs> potentially face any of those people. But uh, but yeah, I mean, th- I mean, yeah, he, he looks like that. He sees himself as some kind of hero, which I thought is yeah. it's just once you see what the rest of that movie happens, like you see this guy that just like looks like a schlub, but you're kind of enjoying him in the first quarter, third of this movie because he seems like an honorable schlub. And then it's like you come to see that, like, no, this movie is in a way is about like how these people see themselves, even though they get to like, even though they 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 just go through life, you know, like taking advantage of a system in which like, you know their version of the patriarchy is like 10 times more domineering and controlling than what we have now. And they're just oblivious to it. And they see themselves as like just some kind of like very like noble, uh, just presence when uh, both him and Legree are anything but that, you know? Um, Did you, so I mean, it's, did you have any other feelings about like any of these performances? I I made that Adam driver joke at the beginning. Did you have, but like, were you impressed with how he pulled off this character uh, or, uh, or, or like, I mean, I don't know. And, and anyone else that popped up, did you have anything you want to say about any of these performances? 
Yeah, I know. I'm really honored to be known as the Adam <laughs> correspondent between Sandler and Driver. But for me personally, like I'm obviously well, I like that better. Yeah, I like Adam correspondent better than Adam Driver correspondent. That, that, because that, Adam yeah. Sandler too, right? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> we, we literally had Alyssa for an Adam Sandler podcast during the pandemic. I'm trying to think who my third Adam's going to be. So I have to brainstorm. Oh, we got Yeah. I mean, hopefully Adam Scott makes a movie. I can see that being a <gasps> Yes. Oh, like, I, 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 I bet you're an Adam Scott fan. I am big out of Scott fan. That's so funny. Okay. But yeah. But I mean, like it was, it was an interesting character he got to portray here because that guy has to like come across as like, you know, suave and cool and actually kind of charming in a way that a lot of avid and drive performances aren't, I would say, charming. But then I he know. has to be like convincingly horrible too. I want to see all the Adam Driver, the anti suaveness Adam Driver folks watch this and tell me he's not attractive after this film. But it was really interesting. I don't think we've seen him in a night role like this like in a medieval no role. He hasn't, i mean like i don't think he's ever gone quite that far into the past yeah so i think this is awesome for his acting chops to see him come this far like obviously he's been in action films and i'm sure he draws from the dramas that he's been in but to see him like fully in this like suave aggressive uh position as an actor was was actually inspiring i think it's only like elevating him for for his next film so i think this is probably one of my top adam performances i was like, oh, he's very attractive in this position. And I didn't know what was, I didn't know the rape scene was going to happen. So I was like backtracking my like letterbox review in my head. But um, besides that, I think Adam really stood out. And of course, like I haven't personally seen um, Killing Eve, but I seen Free Guy. And so that's my first introduction to Jody. So I was like, I thought she was great in the film, but I didn't really know her acting chops. So like to go from Free Guy to this, obviously it was a whole different world for me with Jody. So I'm a huge fan now. I would really only recommend the first season of Killing Eve. I mean, it starts going off the rail even before the end of that. Like six of the eight episodes are great. They're un- coincidental, not coincidentally, probably the ones that uh, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge had the biggest hand in before she kind of, you know, departed a little bit from the show. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, your, your favorite filmmaker, Emerald Fennell, then took over. So take of that what you will. Um, no, don't do me dirty on the podcast. <laughs> I don't hate her. Uh, but, but, uh, but like, I mean, yeah, she's great. Uh, like I said before, I mean, you know, Adam Driver played a lot of different guys before, and I, I don't know if any ever had to be like, you know, quite as, I mean, you know, he's in that movie with uh, Zoe Kazan and Daniel Radcliffe, What If, and or uh, or something like that, I think, and, uh, you know, he, he he's like charming in that, but that's such a small movie. I never really see him in like a mainstream movie like this. Uh, be kind of charming but then have to be vile at the same time i think it just yeah. it showed it showed a lot of his range uh with because like you know he's more i'd say he's more known for being dark and weird and mm-hmm. he's not exactly being asked to hit those notes for a lot of this movie so that impressed me ben affleck i i just i, I just got as i've already said a few times i just I, I appreciated him like just going for it and i think i really dislike him when he's like willing to go over the top uh, you know, or or will go over the top or be comedic. Like he's my favorite part of Dazed and Confused. He's uh, he it's kind of a funny performance he gives in Chasing Amy. Uh, and uh, he he gets to give some he gives a couple epic speeches in Boiler Room where he kind of tries to do his equivalent of you know um Alec Baldwin's speech from Glengarry getting Glenn Ross. Um, he 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 has that in his arsenal, and he just has you know chosen to not not necessarily like be that kind of funny guy he's just been on like more serious drama for a while now and it was cool to see him like kind of reach back and like just do something that was like totally different in that way so i i think i i mean he gets he gets credit for like writing that character and conceive and helping conceive of it and pulling it off and um i think ridley scott at the same time like you know he's gets some credit for like the choices the actors make i think and it's it's cool like i mean i mean i don't know if, if you're like 
have any great particular affection for Ridley Scott movies. We didn't, he's the one guy we didn't talk about yet in this equation. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's made a ton of movies and he's made just like all kinds of different movies from, you know, just like all different genres, like, you know, the Blade Runner and alien stuff or, you know, yeah. Thelma and Louise gladiator. So we knew he could do this kind of thing from gladiator, which I actually watched for the first time during the pandemic. And oh, wow. yeah, I hadn't seen it before somehow. And like, yeah. I mean, that, and that movie kicks ass. Um, and so I, I would just say like, uh, it just felt like it was cool to see him like use like some different type of like, be able to like, you know, handle the tone and guide this movie through like this, you know, complex storytelling process and like have it all work at least for me. So, I mean, I know the movie didn't work as much for you, but I, I want to just like give Ridley one more shout out uh, before we wrap it up, you know? So definitely. Yeah. I'm a fan of gladiator and the alien movies, but um I think certain elements of this film worked really well, obviously, because Ridley was the director. So I will give it that. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think I'm convincing you it's better than you actually thought it was. I know. And I'm like, shoot, <laughs> I got to go change my letterbox review. But no, I'm learning for next time not to post it until we get on the five. Well, I you know it's better that you always get them out sooner because I'm like a month behind on my letterbox reviews myself. Uh, uh, do, you, do, you have any, um, do you have any other thoughts on uh, The Last Duel before we wrap up? Yes. Two final thoughts. At yes. the end, it says she never got married again. I want to say good for her. Um, oh, no, no, I, that's what I was saying before. She shouldn't have had to mourn the guy. Not that she needs a man in her life, but it, like it's almost implying that like she but was men so only bring you drama. So she probably lived a happier life. And then number okay. two, we should petition to rename this film Goodwill Jousting. That's it. Ooh, I like that. Uh, See? That's, and that's a that's a that's a good that's a good call. That's why they pay you the big bucks to be a, to be to be a to be a producer out there in Hollywood. Um, I I do not have a lot else to say. I would just say again, like I I was I was thoroughly impressed with this movie that I had like that that I had pretty low expectations for uh, going in, and I was just uh, I I just thought it you know it handed fairly delicate subject matter you know way better than I would have ever expected it to coming from uh, these two dudes and just like an eighty two year old man. Like I, it's just like, mm -hmm. I, if to, in, in my opinion, it, 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 it handles it in a better way than I could have imagined. And like, you know, there's so many ways it could have gone wrong. And I just, I, and I just didn't think it would have gone wrong. And also a uh, shout out to Alex Lothar uh, that he, in a movie that does actually have some funny parts, he might be the funniest as the, as like a boy King that just like, is like gets way too into the, yes. into the, into the duel for the wrong reasons. You know? I totally forgot to say that. I'm a huge fa fan of the end of the effing the world. Yeah. And so to see him in the film, I thought he stole the movie. I, I can't believe I didn't mention it. Thanks for bringing him up. I mean, it was like uncomfortable at times and in like an effective way. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe like, this king is like that inappropriate um and right? is like uh, sanctioning this and getting like way too way way too giddy about at all the wrong parts and it was it was just like a fun thing to like jump i mean because like it's a very serious moment when they were having that duel and we didn't even talk that much about the duel i think we can as you already said though like i mean we know ridley scott can do that kind of scene it's done very well it's very gruesome yeah. it's very uh it's, it's it's like very very intense uh but like it's all it, it, and you mentioned like and they cut to jody's face sometimes and like that's understandably very moving her life hangs in the balance and then they cut to this king that's just like grinning and it's so weird but like it's such an interesting wrinkle to have him there you know exactly yes yeah. so there's like a good little like comedic bits in a very serious movie yeah, so uh, I would highly recommend this movie. Lissa, maybe not as much, but again, uh, it's a crazy movie month for October, and I, I think if nothing else, you should want movies like this to get made. Uh, exactly. Who knows? Who knows how many more non-franchise movies are going to get hundred million dollar budgets at studios like this? 
after this one doesn't make very much money. So next time you see one of them, uh, go give it a shot. Or if you know anyone that's on the fence about seeing this and you were, you were even on the fence about your feelings about it after you watched it, you know, it's a good investment, especially if you're like Lissa or I, and you have AMCA list and uh, you, it's not going to actually cost you that much to do it. Hell, even just check into it on the app, you know, uh, char- charge AMC the money, get, uh, I guess, is well, this was actually a Fox movie, right? It's actually us. It's actually yeah, 20th century. Uh, 20th, yeah, well, yeah. Well, like oh, I think it was in production like before the merger happened, and so yeah, very funny. It's kind of like a Disney property. Uh, <laughs> uh, props to Delissa for like not holding back and uh, being being honest in her opinions. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, not presenting this to my team. <laughs> um, no, they know my feelings. Oh, okay. Well, well, I mean, like, still, uh, you know, uh, you know, Disney kind of inherited this from Fox, so you know what I mean. Like when they bought them, I think this was already this this had already kind of like uh, been in been in the works a bit. So uh, you know, it's something that we kind of like want to. Yeah, it was like an, see, it says it was initially announced in July 2015. So uh, we kind of we kind of want them to keep making a few things like this if they get if, if they get the chance. Um, 100%. All right. Uh, so that that is the last duel. Now we are going to talk about Lamb. Lamb is the uh, newest movie from A24. Uh, it's directed by uh, Vladimir Johansson. And it, it is a movie that is like, I guess, technically an Icelandic movie. A lot, I think a lot of the production group behind it was Icelandic. I don't know the full production yeah. story, but I mean, it seems like A24 kind of merged with them as at some point. I don't know if A24 is necessarily uh, in on it from the beginning. You know, they, I think they, yeah, it looks like they acquired the distribution rights in July, 2021. So this is just kind of like made in Europe and uh, a 24, like when they see a movie about an animal that they can uh, make a bunch of memes about, like they're going to get that movie. Uh, so uh, good, good, good for them. It's a, you know, it, it, it tells the story of a woman named Maria played by Numi Rapasi, who's probably really the one uh, recognizable face in this movie, her and her husband, whose, uh, whose name is Ingvar. Uh, he's played by uh, Hilmir uh, Gwans, uh Jeez, don't don't kill me on my uh, on my Icelandic pronunciation. You're doing better than me. Uh, yeah, Hilmir Guanasan. Uh, uh, sure, you know the white people deserve to have their names screwed up every once in a while when other podcasts trip over trip, trip over the Asian names. Though I did like actually look up the Chinese names and how to say them for uh, Shang Chi. I just like sorry, I, I I just did not have time to brush up on my Icelandic. But uh, Maria and her husband Ingvar, uh, they live on this farm where they you know they. They they tend to a bunch of uh, lamb that they have and um and sheep and they they a bunch of lamb they they tend to their sheep and shortly afterward um we see a you know we we, we see uh just all these different like uh sheep kind of loitering around but she at one point we see her take one of these uh we see we see her take one of the baby babies that uh, one of the sheep gives birth to uh, and they they begin to raise it on their own. And we're, we don't really see a lot of it. It seems like this is a, a very young lamb that, you know, needs its, uh, needs its attention and she's doting on it. And it's just kind of, it's kind of wrapped in this little swaddle blanket for a lot of it. We don't totally know what's going on at a different point. Uh, Ingvar's brother, Peter shows up. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a little bit of a tense vibe. It's implied that he may or may not have some kind of history himself, uh, with Maria and, uh, all the while they're trying to, uh, for whatever reason, take really good care of this lamb. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil this movie right now because by the time people listen to this, its theatrical run will probably be over. I I, I think, it, it, like, you know, Lisa was saying earlier that she kind of thinks, you know, um, more movies need to be like 80 minutes. This one's like barely, not barely a hundred. So um, it's, it's yeah, this is giving me a big grin and a thumbs up right now. So I, I, I'll just say go away right now. I think you want to have, I think you want to be surprised by this movie. Would you agree with that, Lisa? 100%. But also, I recommend not watching the trailer too, because I think the first half of it kind of spoiled it for me, but it didn't spoil my love of the film. So I'll go into that a little bit later. 
Yeah, so go away right now if you haven't seen Lamb, because I just want to dive in and kind of just talk about it with Lisa, because I feel like, you know, there's only really a few real high points to really hit on this movie beyond talking about its general vibe. And it has a, no, I, I'm not saying few high points as in it's not good. I'm saying few high points. Oh. And like, there's a few important things that are more spoilery are the most important things to talk about with this movie. Exactly. Um, and though if, if, if you see the trailer and you're a little creeped out or you're like, this is a weird vibe, if, but you think you might like that vibe, I think you are going to like what you ultimately see. So that's what I will say about that. But I would say go away if you haven't watched it. We're just going to spoil it. But basically, you know, at a certain point when not a lot, I would say, is necessarily happening, that's all that action packed on the screen. There's some creepy stuff where it looks like some of the other sheep are like, you know, staring the family down. And, you know, this is a weird movie that in some respects is classified as a horror movie. So you're wondering if something is going to come of that. But then at another point where uh, one of these sheep... um it's implied that one of these sheep on its own just kind of uh, lets the lets the lamb, whose uh, his name is Ada, out of the house, uh, and they they have to go track her down at another point of the property. When you see them pick her up, you see that uh, Ada has like a a human lower half of her body, and uh, and I, I don't and I don't think they had actually shown you up until that point in the movie that like she actually had like one regular hand and one not uh, one human hand and one like you know sheep lamb hand or whatever. Um, <laughs> You keep laughing. Do I not? What What is the deal? Is it sheep the poro and lambs the singular? I should have I should have done that before I did this. No, I've seen so many names for this baby. I've seen sheep baby, and I've seen ram man for the end. So it's just like it's so funny to see like someone called him like evil Paddington. So I don't know what to call <laughs> evil Paddington <laughs> baby. Um, yeah, I mean, like I'm just kind of rambling because listen, it's like you know normally I like to like you know give a little quick pot synopsis of the first. But like, like how part. do you give that for this? I don't even know. Right. Well, it's more like normally I like to like give something that like talks about like, you know, the setup for the movie in the first 20 minutes and then where it goes from there. But it feels like so much of this movie is set up until all of a sudden it just like most certainly isn't. So, I mean, you you seem to feel like this trailer might have kind of like ruined the movie for you a little bit. Um, but like, what did you I mean, you said you're, you're you and your friend kind of just saw it on a, a whim and it was a little shorter and that might have been what made that a priority for you at first. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I'm guessing you had seen the trailer, but like, what was your like overall reaction to this movie? Because I guess I kind of went into it like expecting a little more to happen. I don't mean that as like a yeah. I don't and I don't mean that as like a criticism because I kind of enjoyed trying to like figure out what was going on for so much of this movie. I think it's very effective, but yeah. I kind of thought it was going to be a little more action packed. So how did this movie strike you when you saw it? No, I think I felt the same way too. Cause I, so I watched the trailer and I kind of wish I didn't see the sort of like sheep baby before I got into the movie. But, you know, one of the benefits of it for us was like, oh, it's a shorter movie. We kind of were in like the horror film. So I thought things were going to jump out at us. I didn't get that it was going to be kind of like this like quiet suspense. So like I kept waiting for like action to happen. And I think when I sat with it and let it marinate it, I was like, oh, that kind of works out in the favor of what the film is doing so in kind of retrospect with uh the last duel i actually really loved this film a lot now that i've sat with it for um two or three days yeah i guess i i i was you know well when you say you see the trailer and you kind of see her walking hand in hand with ada yeah. uh that, to me like that didn't necessarily give anything away to me because you don't really i mean maybe in the trailer you see that ada has like a regular hand i, I don't I, I don't i didn't remember that if that was the case so i literally thought for a lot of the movie it might just be about these people that are uh raising a lamb on its own as as a person and the lamb just learns to walk that was kind of yeah. what i thought that was what i kind of thought it might be so now you actually see the lower half of ada's body it's like oh shit this is like something like uh kind of weirder than that but like yeah. it was so like i said it was so creepy the way they were like uh utilizing the other herds of sheep and like how they were just kind of like staring them down the whole time 
And I was yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I want to figure that out. But also, at the same time, uh, there's something to these human characters, too, I'd say. What, and I'm wondering, it kind of struck me as like, oh, wow, um, maybe there's some kind of story here. Maybe these people have had trouble conceiving a child. I don't know. In, yeah. any, in any event, they're obviously incredibly lonely. And so on a certain extent, you could probably appreciate it as like a, as like, as like an example of the lengths that some people could in theory go to if they're driven by extreme loneliness and, uh, and, you know, maybe having a kid's not always going to solve all your problems or something, but, uh, that, 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 that's kind of like one thought I was having. Another thought I was having was, you know, there's something here about like, you know, the way we treat animals and maybe they want revenge when they aren't treated well. And I, then I heard other people like that actually probably thought bigger picture as they were watching and thought, no, it's even a larger allegory for like how humans take from the earth and how, you know, uh, you know, it's going to come back to bite them if they take from nature and they don't actually treat, treat nature or the planet, right? Like, Hey, shit's going to come back to bite them in the ass. What, what were you thinking about with respect to, man, what are these weird people up to that are like raising this like sheep baby or as as you uh, said, other people had referred to it. Uh, what was your impression of like, okay, like there's some weird stuff going on with these animals here, but like these people aren't exactly maybe like, you know, the most, uh, normal, uh, leads of movies. Right, exactly. And so kind of going off that, I definitely got mother vibes from this film in terms Mm. of the nature portion of it. So I too was trying to pinpoint at the end, like what that ending meant. But um, for me personally, I think when you understand that the sheep is like a baby, you're kind of like, okay, like you go with it because you want to see where it's going, you know, and like, we're all human, we do weird things. Like, realistically, I can't even imagine if a brother was raising this sort of baby. But the other level is that they're like, in the middle of Iceland, right? I'm assuming. So they're far yeah, away. It's implied they don't really have any many neighbors. Exactly. So you could get away with this type of thing. So maybe that's kind of the addition of like the premise is that the farther you are from civilization, the more you can get away with, but you can't get away from like mother nature. Like now that I'm just like spitballing, but that's the kind of vibe I got from the two humans. But like you'd like feel for them though, because you kind of find out and you start to piece together that it's a it, there's a miscarriage or some sort of like young death from their young child or so you kind of are just curious like what's going to happen next the entire time from them. Yeah. You just don't get the vibe that it's going to like have a great ending and for mm-hmm. them and it, and, it, and it doesn't. And, um, you know, Ada is, um, but it's, it's clear how I might say seriously care for Ada, especially in the way, like you mentioned the brother, I, I don't, was your theater relatively crowded or no? For Lamb, it wasn't at first, but towards the end, it slowly got crowded. So, like, I wouldn't say, like, it was packed, but more than I thought for, like, a Sunday night. Toward, what does that mean? Towards the end, it got crowded. You mean, but right before the movie started, but it wasn't crowded when you sat down? Or? Yeah, like, people just, I, I wonder if people were like, oh, like, this is a one-word film, and it looks, seven, sorry, it's a one-word film, and it looks like it's 70, it's, like, 70 minutes, so, like, maybe we'll uh, sit down, so... Oh, right. Well, oh, sure. And I mean, I, I was, I, well, no, I mean, I was asking, mine wasn't super crowded, but the one time that got a laugh was when, uh, was when they brought, when they, when they just like called her into the kitchen with the brother sitting there at the table and he's like, so dumbfounded. And like, so I didn't have a huge theater and, you know, I would have liked to have seen a movie like this that in theory yeah. has a few WTF moments. I would have right. liked to have watched that with like a big crowd. Uh, but at the same time I was like, Oh, like, uh, th- that sh- the fact that they are like, you know, just not even like afraid of what the brother's going to say. They want to treat her like a normal child like that. And they're, they, they, I mean, yeah, they're going to push back if he judges them. Uh, but at the same time, like they're not going to be afraid to just like treat her like a part of the family and they're, the brother's just going to have to deal with it. And I was like, oh, wow, that says a lot about how they like actually feel about her. But at the same time, that got like the biggest laugh from my crowd to, to see him look like so like thrown off by the whole entire uh, scene. 
Exactly. And now I'm trying to remember because we did, we, have, we did have a few laughs, but I can't remember exactly where. Definitely the side eye from Peter when Ada, Ada had just come in. Mm-hmm. And then a definitely like weird, like laugh kind of like freak out when the Ram man came in. So we were all kind of like laughing at like, what the heck is this bonkers character? But then we were like, oh, you know, when that action happened. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, and what is there to even really say about that? You know, we kind of talked about like uh, what's some of the larger messaging the movie might be going for with respect to uh, how we treat the land and our comeuppance might come in the form of a Ram man, I suppose. And that, or at least that's this movie's version of it. But I mean, yeah, it was like, it was kind of cool in that like, in a movie that has like shown us something that's already as unbelievable as a um, half lamb, half baby actual creature that it's like shown you that it would go to something that weird, but like still that something else of, could still like actually like be like, Oh my God, like be like, cause I mean, I'm guessing you were like, Holy crap. That's what it is. Like, I mean, everyone else is probably just assuming it's another person. So it's just like, Oh, holy shit. Like I was impressed that the movie was still able to like, you know, surprise me when I'd already been watching something that was like uh, kind of crazy the whole movie anyway. I know. I kind of, I was, I was trying to zoom in with my uh, not so good eyesight when you could kind of see the visual of the Ram man and the dog's eyes, but mm. I couldn't quite tell. Like I was like assuming it had to be a sheep because you could kind of see like its head, but I wasn't entirely sure, but I was still shocked when it happened because you hear the sounds first. And I was like, holy crap, like who's shooting Ingvar. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just like pretty wild. And, you know, I don't necessarily feel the need to talk about it too much I, I, or necessarily break it down too much any other way. I just, it's clearly a movie about some people that have like suffered a great tragedy. And, uh, you know, the way they process grief is just going to be kind of unconventional, but it's going to show that, like, hey, um, we can, you know, we, we can deliver a story about grief and about loss and loneliness in a, in just like a very unique package so i mean credit to the filmmakers for doing that um and credit to like i mean i I actually haven't read that much about the production of it let me me see did they actually yeah i mean i guess i probably could have like gone and read read a story somewhere maybe there'd be something for like how they did it like i mean i'm sure it's largely cgi but maybe partially like uh they maybe partially had to have a child uh that they did some cgi to i don't know I wish I had like, I wish I had looked that up, but in any event, no matter how they did it, uh, Numi Raposi and this Hilmir guy, like, um, and even the guy that played Peter, uh, Bjorn, uh, his name is Bjorn Klinor Haraldson, I guess, uh, you know, they, uh, they're having to act opposite something that is not a real person for a lot of this movie. So, I mean, not that that is like super unique in movie going, you know, uh, I'm sure the Marvel, all the people that have acted in Marvel movies have acted opposite like a tennis ball and a stick at some point or, you know, uh, or a green screen or whatever. But like here, it's like, I mean, having, you're having to dig deep for like deeper emotions in this movie uh, to show affection towards like, you know, something that like isn't isn't even like a real world type of thing but even isn't even uh, a real thing that they were presumably looking at a lot else on this one was i mean i know you you said you enjoyed it overall were, were there were there any other parts of this that you like really appreciated that we didn't touch on yet or did you just kind of like enjoy the suspenseful nature of it like i did yeah i think overall like the film was great in my opinion now that i've marinated it with it because you know in my 
in my view, it's about loss and grief and kind of how we process that and what family looks like and how it looks different, different to most people and like the most like a 24 way. And I have to also say it was shot really well. It's probably one of the most gorgeous landscapes that I've seen. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a cheat, kind of a cheat code going to that part of Iceland, I would say. Um, exactly. And I know the film tax credit was amazing out there. Oh, yeah. So they, they did a really good job. And ultimately on a funny level, like the reviews on Letterboxd are hilarious. So I just recommend people going to check it out after okay. they watch the film. Oh, okay. I need to do that. Cause I, I mean, again, like I'm behind on my reviews when uh, Alyssa decided to take a phone call a minute ago, I started like trying to type up mine, just to, like get on, I'm going to make some use of these like four minutes I got here and like try and do something productive. Um, they heard me talking bad about last duel. So they gave me a call. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I will say, I forgot to mention is just as far as like an effective storytelling sequence, there's a moment in this where uh, all the characters are watching soccer together. And they get really excited about something. And like, you know, Ada, who, you know, has like adapted his belt about as well as uh, a sheep baby could to that world, um, is like clearly like unable to process it like everyone else. And I just want to say that I thought that was like a really, really like moving sequence there where you feel for her a lot. Um, even if you hadn't uh, before then, you just kind of like seen her as precocious and maybe not like thought too much of it. But like, I was like, actually like very moved during that sequence. And it made like kind of the end make a little more sense. Uh, not that Ada would have wanted anything bad to happen to her adopted parents, but the fact that she might even like willingly walk away with the Ram man. I thought that was just like a very like, um, uh, given how like adorable and, uh, well, adapt well adapted, they'd seem to show that she had become to that kind of life. Uh, I thought a, a sequence like that showing how there's always going to be some kind of divide uh, really like was efficiently uh, conveyed a lot of what needed to be conveyed for the movie to end where it ended. I, I just wanted to give that that scene a shout out because I thought it was one of the more effective moving sequences of the movie, but I didn't really have a lot else to add on the movie. Any other final thoughts on Lamb, Wissa? Yeah, I think just in terms of the ending, I know it's kind of like widely disputed because everyone's kind of just like what happened. But... Yeah, it, are we, I guess some people interpret it as maybe not even thinking that that thing was real. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that too. I think it's meant to be ambiguous. So I really appreciate that aspect of film because I was kind of reading that the ending was purposefully ambiguous because grief is that way. And so I thought that's a really interesting take on the ending, but everyone keeps comparing it to Midsommar, which I can totally see in terms of like A24 relations, but not really, you know? Well, and the lighting in that, like, you know, it's like kind of a, a horror And the flower movie. crown. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and also that it's like a whole. It's a horror type movie without with with that's largely takes place in daylight, which I mean was more original when Midsommar did it. But like you know, uh, at least this had its own different kind of scenery compared to Midsommar. So even if they're both in kind of similar parts of the world geographically. Um, exactly. And like the last thing I'll say is I wanted every single outfit that that baby sheep wore. <laughs> it, it had some like solid looks for sure. Right. It was like the sheep Paddington. <laughs> um, yeah just uh uh what's to say a very different vibe uh from the paddington movies though uh sure. i didn't realize so that i don't know by the way I, I i didn't realize until i looked it up after that you know the the still dropped last week or two weeks ago of uh, timothy chalamet looking like young wonka i didn't yes. know I, I didn't know that they, that movie is gonna be made by the people that made paddington which like, uh, yeah, which is like, know that. which is like the, I mean, you know, everyone hears that they're doing a Willy Wonka origin story. It's like, why, why, why? We don't need that. No one asked for that, but it's like, you got to give some level of like, you know, a trust to the people that did Paddington. Cause like those movies are so well done. So, I mean, it was, maybe they'll find a way to like make that thing good. It's just like a, it's yeah. It's just, it's just like a, it's just like a weird, uh, choice for them to make, but it's like, you know, maybe they deserve a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Um, Lisa, before we sign off, anything else you've been watching recently you want to plug? 
Oh, I've been so bad, Josh. I've just been watching like whatever my awesome roommate has been putting on TV. So uh, we've been watching uh, the morning show, but kind of going off that too, I guess it's like the pregame, but we saw uh, Hasan Minaj's uh, King's Jester live on mm. Saturday this past weekend. It's going to be on Netflix when he finishes his tour. So I highly, highly, highly recommend watching that when it comes well, out. Hasan Minaj has a role in morning show season two. Uh, hey, were, were you, so are you caught up on morning show or had you, are you, like, I am, are oh, you? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so, so good. Uh, I mean, like they really should have like uh, cut out, I, they should have cut out I, all the Steve Carell stuff. Like it's like not oh, great. Oh yeah. We feel by the way, we don't, we don't know what they're doing with the storyline. So we're not like a fan of that part, but like the Billy, you know, other yeah. stuff. I yeah. Billy Crew up one of, one of incredibly deserving Emmy winner last year. Exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, I, how about you? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I said I'm, I, I am caught up on the morning show, but one thing I haven't plugged here yet, I haven't watched a lot. There's not a lot of movies I've watched that I haven't already mentioned on here. So I'll say uh, a few days ago, I started Made on Netflix, the miniseries featuring Margaret Pauly with um, who, you know, plays a young girl that uh, became becomes a mom at a young age and uh, has to get out of an abusive relationship and faces a lot of trouble uh, trying to uh, keep custody of her daughter and uh, find a way to like make ends meet financially working as a maid. And it's like an incredibly uh, moving show through the four episodes I have watched, but also has some fairly lighthearted parts too. She's an incredible actress. Her her mom in real life, Andy McDowell, plays her mom in the show, who and it's just going a, a crazy all out performance. Uh, Nick Robinson plays her ex and is, uh, I mean, appropriately terrifying for a guy that you know maybe doesn't have like the most terrifying uh, look naturally uh, from his physical appearance. He's a very good. I, I highly recommend it. Adorable little girl that plays the daughter too. So uh, that's made on Netflix. Um, Ten episodes. I've only watched four, but it's very good through that much. Uh, listen. So anything you want to plug letterbox twitter anything like that um follow me for more embarrassing reviews on letterbox it is at lissa lissa l-i-s-s-a twice and no adam driver thirst reviews this time but hopefully in the near future well yeah he he, he didn't really give you a lot to uh to drool over uh, uh th- th- this time around wait for house of gucci <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast Twitter is at, at RewindMoviePod. The podcast email is TheRewindMoviePod at gmail.com. Coming up next, uh, I'm sure we're soon going to have episodes on both Dune and Bergman Island. Ben will be on both of those with us. Fred will also be on the Dune podcast. And then Last Night in Soho with our friend Elijah and uh, maybe Daniel because uh, he th- that, that that movie has some tie-ins to one he already talked about with us this year malignant in some of in that it's coming from a genre that he felt really inspired malignant so he's excited to talk about that so everyone stay tuned for those thanks again to lissa for joining me and we'll see you next time